Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all having a, a fine day. So, and you're seeing loons on Lake Washington? I so did. I, w- uh, I was out there this weekend, and I heard that distinguished call, and I thought, no, it can't be. This is Lake Washington. They're further up north. And they usually are, but they must be in migration period now or something? They are indeed, and on occasion we will hear them sing. Uh, it's usually not as oh haunting or lyrical as we hear when they're up uh, on breeding grounds, but that, it's still pretty cool to hear them here. Well, they do a weird dance across the lake. I thought if I felt like I was watching something like a wind-up toy with propellers, and they were just kind of shushing across the water like a motorboat. I thought that was just really odd. Is that a dance, or what is that all about? I, I'm guessing as part of their bonding process, oh, okay. where they're just, uh, you know, here, boy, look at me, and I'm amazing, and uh, it was that pretty sort cool. It was really <laughs> it cool. Is, yeah, that they didn't make that haunting sound like you said. It was, it was just the other sound, but not that cool. Well, not very good. Yeah. yeah. The one that we really uh, that we see in all the nature series, where we have the birds getting almost standing upright and then running across the water, those yeah. are grebes normally that do that, and that's really that's amazing thing to see. I I have been with a camera watching that and not getting a single photo because I'm just so uh, (laughs) awestruck by watching them do that. That's exactly what they were doing, Al, was that that kind of almost standing up like a little little toy just whipping across the water. So it just, it is really amazing. I'm I'm here with a baseball glove on one hand, a potholder on the other uh, to keep me from touching my face. How do we do that? It's just uh, really hard. We're always scratching an ear or pulling an ear or something like a Carol Burnett thing, <laughs> and uh, I, boy, it's it's hard. I the other uh, morning I got up really early and I listened to the trogs sing "Wild Thing." You make my heart yeah. sing. Mm-hmm. You make everything groovy. Wild thing, wild thing. I think I love you, but I want to know for sure. inspired by that song I moved to the light because boy I need (laughs) windows now more than ever before and thankfully they require no passwords I can go to the window and just look out I don't have to remember anything and there are wild things just outside a window that needs seeing and the window's a siren song that draws me outdoors, and I recognize my privilege, and I walk towards mysteries and discoveries, and a golden crown kinglet moved through the trees like a leaf with feathers, and I was lifted up on tiny wings. So the small things, folks, man, oh man, they're just so important, uh, especially at times like this. I was almost run over by a pair of eastern chipmunks in an amorous pursuit uh, <laughs> when just uh, one went right over the tip of my my boot just boom just and they mate once a year early in spring and they usually have one litter of up to seven young they'll be born in may or june and if they should um if the first litter is lost at a pretty early time, females may produce a second one. And I know you'd sent me something from a master gardener listserv. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, they were talking about baby squirrels. 
when they see them and when they see them they're normally full grown we have the three tree squirrels primarily um, I'm not going to talk about flying squirrels because most people see fox squirrels gray squirrels and red squirrels and fox squirrels mate twice a year they're the big kind of orange ones and they typically mate in December to February and then again in June and July and the gestation period is 38 to 46 days, somewhere in there. And they nest in hollow trees or in those treetop dens, drays. They're 12 to 19-inch ball-shaped nests made of leaves, twigs, and bark. And fox squirrels have two or three babies. They're born hairless, weigh about a half ounce. Uh, gray squirrels, they mate twice a year, December to February, and then it's June through August. So they're a little bit, uh, they run a little bit longer where fox squirrels kind of stop in July. Uh, gray squirrels might go through August. Mother squirrels have two to four. So fox squirrels two to three, gray squirrels two to four. And the same kind of nests and all that sort of thing. Uh, red squirrels, they mate in late winter, uh, nest in the same kind of nest, and in early spring, female red squirrels have two to five babies, so they can have more. Uh, the young squirrels, they're independent within 12 weeks. So at 12 weeks wow. of age, they're on their own. But they will move in and out of the nest. They'll venture out of the nest when they're about six weeks old. So you can see them around a nest tree. And they will be a little, quite a bit smaller. But boy, when they're out 12 weeks old, and you look at them, and you can you can still tell they're a baby. But uh, they're they're a squirrel by yeah. that point. I have never yeah. seen a baby squirrel necessarily when I've been mowing lawn, but I have seen baby rabbits, and I've actually mowed them over, which I feel really bad because it's you know it's awful. But why are the squirrels just smarter, or do they stay in the trees, or what's the scoop on that? They would be in the trees oh, okay. uh, for the most part till they're 12 weeks old, Smarter. and then they come down. and And you see them. You a lot of times you see maybe there's three of them, and they kind of follow their shadow to one another. And those are ones that come out of the nests, and they're just going, "Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness!" <laughs> and what's that over there? What's that? And then they all move as a, a team yep. over there and look at whatever they're looking at. And it's it's really neat to see them. They're they're so cute. Uh, Don from Cannon Falls asked, what do uh, all warblers, what do birds that eat insects eat before we have insects? Uh, you know, the Phoebes come back, eastern Phoebes come back too early. They're, they eat flying insects, and boy, I have found uh, them dead uh, a number of times through the years. Same with uh, purple martins. A uh, friend had some back in Hayward here pretty early. Uh, swallows will also be that way. They, the first warbler we get is a yellow-rumped warbler, typically, and they will eat fruit. And they have a digestive system that allows them to eat wax-coated berries, like uh, bayberries, which few things eat. Yellow-rumped warblers can eat those. So they can come back. They don't leave the United States for the most part, so they're the first warbler back because they have that head start. Tree swallows may also eat berries. Uh, wrens typically come back in, uh, in May, and so there are insects. But if there aren't, 
they can eat spiders, millipedes, snails, beetles, all those sort of things. And I was watching a chickadee this morning, and he's gleaning the bark of a tree. And I'm sure he is finding spiders and spider eggs and all these sort of things that we would overlook in there. So they do find things to eat. It's incredible to know that, but they, they just find things to eat out there. Do and they, on occasion, do they, they eat come those, to suet. Do they eat those crab apples like on the, the apple trees that are, I see robins a lot of times eating, or like the, the juniper berries that are on those juniper bushes? They will sometimes. Uh, cedar wax wings are great at eating those kind of things. Uh, Rick Mamble of Albert Lee asked a question like that. He said, uh, likely a silly question. Rick always says it's a silly question, but they're never silly questions. He says he has two Sargenti crab apple trees in his yard. And uh, I'm sure Sargenti is probably a scientific name. I've always just called them Sargent or Sargent's mm-hmm. crab apples. And I have a hawthorn tree, and the apples on the hawthorn tree are these tiny little things. Uh, Robins love them. But on these sergeant crab apples, Rick says they're quite firm, it seems. They're just tiny little ones like lima beans. I've tried to squeeze them, and they're hard. He said, I've watched small flocks of robins perch in those trees in early spring over the years, but cannot tell if they're eating them. I can't imagine they're enjoying those hard little things at all. Again, they're not much larger than a bean. They do eat them. And from what people have told me is birds find those extremely attractive. They just think those are the great, because I would guess they're just the right size. They're bite size, and you can woof those things down like there's no tomorrow. So they will, a lot of birds will eat fruit this time of year, and we see that in primarily robins will come in and eat uh, fruit, where they might uh, in a little while they'll be wanting to eat worms and that sort of thing, so their diet will change. And uh, I, Eric Anistad from uh, said, "What can I feed? What can I feed all these robins? They're out here, and I feel sorry for them. This was during our our, our last storm. And when I say last storm, I'm I'm hoping last storm. <laughs> and uh, you, you can chop up fruit, apples or pears. They like that, yeah, but chop them up." pretty good make them small they also like raisins that's typically what i throw out for them but they will eat crumbled suet uh if you soften some dog kibble that will also work i have had them eating sunflower hearts so they will eat a number of things the things with robins is they are not typically feeder birds so if we put stuff out for them they're not going to just make a mad rush to the feeder and say, oh, finally, thank <laughs> we got this stuff to eat here. They, One of the ways, maybe sneak it out to them and put it on a platform feeder either on the ground or, or close to a bird water because the robins will go to the bird water to take bath. And so that might be a way to get it out to them. But thanks, Don. It's a a great question. And uh, we all, boy, at least I do, I worry about them out there thinking, man, there's just not enough to eat. But they are are survivalists. Uh, They do very well. Um, Ms. Lona 
sent a uh, photo of a group of turtles and said, how many can you count? <laughs> uh, I have no idea there, Lona. There's a bunch of them, and they're coming out sunning. And she also sent a video or uh, audio and video of these odd sounds coming from a wetland. And what they are is northern leopard frogs. And they're engaged in a calling war. I'm sure they're calling one another bad names and <laughs> doing all these sort of things. And I I don't know how. It's a guttural song sound. It's, uh, oh, maybe uh Do your best imitation. Al, do your best imitation. Yeah, I can't. Okay. <laughs> they do kind of a chuckling sound every so often, too, as a number of... Uh, number of frogs and toads do these kind of chuckling sounds, like they're laughing at one another, saying, oh, yeah, you make me laugh, threaten me, will you? Uh, it's really cool, northern leopard frogs, and if you see them, they just, uh, they, like there's bubbles coming from the side of their head. It fills with air and makes these sounds. So it is pretty cool. And, and thanks, Lona, that was really cool of you to send that, because uh, they're, they're just neat. I love frogs, and it's... It, it just brightens my day to hear them. She told me those um, those were from this past weekend. So she was out and saw all those turtles at Indian the in I guess it's called Indian Lake out where by where, yep. where she lives. So a lot of nature out there by the kind of the back area where the ski hill is, Mount Cato. Wow, that that is is so cool. Uh, Mark Sorensen of Hollandale had uh, saw an eastern Phoebe and some bluebirds, Harpo Bartness. Harp is uh, from Heartland, and uh, he was called Harpo. His real name's Arvel, but he was called Harpo when he was a kid because if any of you are familiar with the Marx Brothers, uh, Harpo was the one that didn't talk. And Harp apparently was quiet for, I don't know, maybe a week out of his life, so he got (laughs) that name Harpo, and he's been making up for it uh, ever since. He's a great guy, but he's, I would say, talkative now. Uh, I was talking about Hart Bartness, and he has so many grackles this year. He has a heap of birds in one lump. And he was wondering, oh, there's so many. Uh, they are common and widespread. These are common grackles, but the North American Breeding Bird Survey shows a population decline of 58% from 1966 to 2014. Grackles do a lot of cool things. They dab natural insect repellents on their plumage, and this includes ants, marigolds, lemon slices, walnut juice, and choke cherries. Could we do the same thing? Would that help us? I I think you should try that this <laughs> summer and then uh, write uh, do a written report. Okay. And uh, tell us how that'll work. And I guess we probably do. You know, we use marigolds. We plant them around the garden. Although I found rabbits will eat them, but uh, I I would guess some of those things uh, would uh, probably work uh, for some of us anyway. The problem with so many of those things is they don't work for all of us. Uh, Cindy Drill in North Mankato said she's seeing a a flock of red-winged blackbirds, and they took off with a communal wump of wings. So I thought that was a cool way, because when they fly from your yard, you certainly do hear that wump as they take Mm -hmm. off. Uh, Lois King said, I am seeing a female red-breasted grosbeak at her feeder. 
So it's cool because uh, typically the males will arrive in mid-spring and then they're followed by the females a few weeks later. So Lois has a, a female already. So, And I talked a little bit last week about uh, books. Uh, Pamela Freeman said she liked H's for Hawk, although I think it may not be totally fiction. It was very good. Red Tails in Love, again, not fiction, but very good. Uh, Alex and me about the relationship between a gray parrot and his keeper scientist, an amazing and touching story, and that quail Robert. Oh, man, I remember that. It's a a YA book, a young adult's book, and just uh, superb. Uh, Betsy Kerr said Eastern Phoebe, Golden Crown Kinglet, and either a Brewers or Rusty Blackbird. Uh, Joyce Tabor, who li- uh, listens from Ascove, said drove to Crex Meadows just to get out of the house. Saw sandhill cranes, ducks, geese, swans, and an eagle. Thought we would see some red-winged blackbirds there, but not many. We have ducks, uh, the area between us and neighbor has swans and geese, and the juncos have come in droves. So, yeah, a lot of our juncos from here are ending up in Joyce's yard right now. Uh, Sandy Kopeshka of Fairmont sent a photo of a great blue heron rookery. These herons nest in colonies and trees, often of a single species alone, rarely in isolated pairs, sometimes mixed with other wading birds. And a nest will have two to six eggs, which could be preyed upon by crows or ravens. Bald eagles and great horned owls have been known to kill adult herons, but boy, I bet they think about it twice. Arlene Carr of Northfield sent me a photo of a yellow-bellied sapsucker and also hepatica that's blooming in her flower gardens. Oh, I love hepatica. It's just a beautiful flower. All flowers at this time of year, I think, are are beautiful. Holly Karsgens and her dad, Rick Babcock, uh, found a baby great horned owl, and I put them in touch with the Raptor Center at the University of Minnesota. Ray Faber said he saw a kettle of about 25 white pelicans soaring overhead. Uh, Susan and John Wegner, who listened from Maine, Wow, that's wow. cool. Said uh, she's just uh, loved to watch the white-breasted nuthatches. She said they are the gladiator of the bird feeder. So yeah, <laughs> I love hey, it. they're they're down the pecking order a ways, but they hang in there. So it's it's neat to see them. Uh, I, they're a bird that I often say there's no other way to describe them other than cute. Uh, Carol Schumacher lives in Winona, said a couple of flocks of eastern bluebirds were in her neighborhood, so it was neat to see that. She said on the Mississippi River, saw a lot of diving ducks with canvas back being the most numerous. And canvas back are uh, just uh, lovely birds. I heard from Michael Herbin and Claire Strohmeyer. Uh, Michael and Claire from Bloomington, Minnesota, they were folks that were birding in Peru, and got stranded in Peru and couldn't get home because oh, they couldn't get a flight out. So it was quite a battle. And they are home now. And uh, Michael told me, he said, uh, he wants to return to northern Peru as soon as he can and get the 150 target life birds that he went there for, but had to trade for rock pigeons from his hotel room window. 
So he was, it was an odd deal. You take off for a birding trip, and and there you are. You don't go anywhere. He was, they were. I forget how long they were stranded there, but it was, it was uh, weeks. And so we're happy to have him home, and he's uh, they're a great couple. And Rick Mammel said he's hoping to get out to Edgewater Park in a couple of coming days. Edgewater Park's in Albert Lee, where the Audubon Society chapter has Purple Martin uh, apartment houses and gourds. So Rick goes out there and cleans those out. Last year, he had um, quite a battle because there was a Cooper hawk, Cooper's hawk that managed to lunch on some of the some of the guys there, the Purple Martins. So that was sad because we love our Purple Martins because, you know, they like us. So we, we have to like them. But uh, the Cooper's Hawk really liked them, but in a different way. So uh, sadly. Al, and I've friend? got, oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say, I've got a person who texted in uh, from Wisconsin saying, Al, will there would there be any mama birds now feeding baby birds at this time? Yeah, a great horned owl would be it. And they are uh, uh, Holly Carsons, who lives in Elberly, and her dad, Rick Babcock, who lives in Alden. They found one on the ground and sent me a photo of it. And it's a, just a big, it looks like uh, you would buy a stuffed animal. It's just all fluffy and it, really cool with these eyes piercing eyes so they're the ones they are our first nesting bird and then they are the first one that will have babies and that said the other one that uh, comes to mind right away would be bald eagles so those are the two that would be having young ones now but you know it won't be long it'll be in the blink of an eye uh, as time as we all know time goes by so quickly I do want to say um, a shout-out to Gordon Hopp, a friend of Unadilla, Nebraska. And he received an award better. Guys listening out there, it was better than the leg lamp, which was a major award in the movie Christmas Story, if you remember that. It was just a major award. Uh, Gordon got uh, a major award from the North American Bluebird Society, and Gordon maintains 400 bluebird boxes. He fledges 2,000 bluebirds Ooh. annually, and he also provides boxes for American kestrels and wood ducks. And on top of all that, he's just a wonderful guy. Just He's always got a smile and a, a little story and just one of those guys you love to see. And he laughs at everyone's jokes, no matter how bad they are. Uh, Gordon will laugh at them. So he's one of those great friends to have. It's uh, it's it's going to be a beautiful day. I think it's going to be a little cool. Are they talking snow yet, Karen? Is that still kind of the thing Just for today? Just a little bit. I don't think it's going to amount to anything. But you know, on last Friday, it was the weirdest thing when all of a sudden it seemed like a mini blizzard in the middle of the day, and then there was sun. And so at this point, they're saying maybe a little, a few light showers will affect the area through this afternoon. Little impact. And we were we were like. Pretty much everybody. I think we got seven inches here in yeah. what is becoming a, a traditional April storm. I think on average we're supposed to get maybe two to three inches of snow each April, but boy, the last three years we've uh, we've outdone ourselves and far surpassed that each year. So it's kind of shifted some of the 
the winter to the back end of winter for us, just so we uh, we won't forget winter. It has to leave a calling card. I hope that uh, everybody is uh, having a good day, staying safe. I hope you're all healthy and enjoying life. And maybe getting out and going for a walk. It's just a, a friend called Greg Barch. Greg lives in Geneva, and uh, we just sat and talked about um, stuff that uh, old guys talk about. <laughs> and he reminded me of Gary Hansen. Uh, Gary was a banker in Heartland. A fine man. We he was my coach in baseball, and then later we coached baseball together. And just a good guy. He was the city clerk and the fire department, and just pretty much everything needed doing. Gary was the guy. Well, one day he's on a step ladder washing the outside windows of the bank. Yeah, it was a small bank, and so he did a little bit of everything. So he's out there, and he's got a rag and one of those spray bottles, and he's washing the outside of the window. Tom's Barbershop was just down the street, and it was a rascal's lair. Uh, those, there were guys in there that were retired, so they had time to think of things to do. So these denizens of the barbershop saw Gary, so they called the bank. And Gary heard the ring. And this was when people answered their phones, which were landlines only in those days, no voicemail or anything. All calls were important. you got to answer them because, man, you got a business there. So Gary climbed down the ladder, and he ran into the bank, and they're watching him go in there. He's going in to answer the phone, and they hung up before he could do that. (laughs) You know, one call should have been enough, but it wasn't. One call today would be a wonderful thing to do. There must be somebody in your lives that you have said, "Boy, I wonder how Aunt Tilly's doing." Or I, I haven't seen, I haven't seen Bob since like our fifth high school graduation reunion. Why don't you give them a call? They would love to hear from you. Remember, folks, Heartland is well worth driving past. Thanks for uh, listening. Uh, Do something wild today. Uh, Step outside and take a look at a bird. And thank you, Karen, as always, for your wonderful company. I'm sorry you have to battle the phone and um, speak to somebody. They weren't speaking Norwegian, so they wouldn't be from Heartland. I don't think so. so. No, (laughs) but uh, it'll all be okay. Well, you know, you aren't, it happened with Cooking with Joe on Monday. It's uh, it's happened. So there's something going on. Maybe it's this whole COVID-19. There's maybe no people on campus to fix all these things. I have no idea. So, you know, we just go with the flow. That, that must seem odd, doesn't it, with nobody around? It kind of does. It's kind of quiet. I mean, there's me and Dwayne and Tim and Shelly, and uh, then we're supposed to wear our mask. When we talk on the air, we don't because it's hard to talk through a mask, but otherwise you kind of go around and you look like you're, well, in a hospital, sort of, but not. And, yeah, it is, it is odd. It's quiet, And but the good thing is there's no traffic to get to work and there's parking galore. So. I'm supposed to, every four weeks, go to the clinic so they said it's very important I go every four weeks. Well, then they postponed it and said it's okay that you come in every eight weeks. Hmm. And uh, so I'm going in now at the end of this month. But it wouldn't surprise me if they get a hold of me and say, you know what, I think you'd be okay every 12 weeks coming in. It just, But I know I, I got the thing from Mayo that said when I do come in, I'm supposed to be all 
all uh, equipped up with masks and everything else. But doesn't it make you wonder if, if, if all of a sudden it was four weeks and then it's eight weeks and then it's 12, you go, really? Well, do you really need to see me then, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's my wife. Uh, oh, I love Gail, and she's uh, having a bit of proverbial cow on uh, on my behalf in sure. that area because she's saying, you need to get in there. You can't be going, you know, this long, so... But uh, there's so many people that need to be in there. I feel so sorry for all the the folks that work at Mayo and these oh. places. You know, they're yeah. suffering layoffs and they're having to deal. Talk about stress on your job. Holy cow. I just uh, I can't imagine. I'm so appreciative of those good folks. Same here. Well, we appreciate you too, Al. We'll uh, chat with you next week. And until then, happy bird watching. Aaron, have a grand day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There we go, our good friend Al Bat. Always great to chat with him.